Welcome to Lever Up Your Life. I'm Nate Barger. I went from prison time and bankruptcy to now owning over $200 million in real estate. I want to show you guys all the mistakes I made so you don't make the same mistakes. It's time you create massive wealth for yourself. Welcome to Lever Up Podcast. Today we have an amazing guest who's not even 30 years old and he's already reached the status of multimillionaire. Jason Lee, all the way from sunny San Diego, brother. How you doing today? Good, Nate. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. Man, thanks for coming on, brother. We appreciate it, man. Um, so, you know, I always like to jump in with question. First question, kind of, just to let people know. Um, man, so you grew up in a very wealthy family, and now you're doing good, right? <laughs> no, that's incorrect. <laughs> okay, okay, man. So tell us a little bit about your childhood, um, and then we'll dive into what made you want to pick real estate as your career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, growing up, um, I was born in the U.S. territory in Seoul, Korea. I lived there for the first seven years of my life. Uh, my dad was in, in the Army full-time for the first uh, eight years of my life, and um, that's where I met my mom. And then um, they moved to California, where... Uh, like a small town in California near like Oakland area. Um, didn't have much growing up at all, actually. Uh, my mom struggled from job to job. She had trouble communicating because, you know, Korean was her first language. English was her second. She tried to learn it when she was like 40 years old. So it was very tough for her. Um, so she struggled job to job. And then my dad was like a security guard for a very long time. So Money was tight growing up. I mean, money was always a big problem in my family. It was the biggest cause of our fights in the household. Um, mm. You know, how, how are we going to pay the mortgage? You know, what's going on this month? Uh, mom's like, get a second job. So it was it was rough. And um, I think that trauma as a child in my childhood growing up really made me um, not want this for myself. And I also wanted to give back to my family that was struggling. So I think that's where my drive wow. came from growing up. Wow, you said something that you identified that most Americans, um, I don't know if they identify it. And, you know, I'm not just saying Americans, but most people, they don't identify that they went through trauma. You said trauma. And so how do we fix ourselves if we don't know that we've been traumatized, right? And so that has to be something that you're not usually taught by your parents because if they knew it, they wouldn't have brought the trauma on. Right. So how were you able to go out and find that out at such a young age too, because you're, you know, you're not even 30 years old yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, through self-development programs that I was in and through mentors that I met, um, that's kind of how I was brought up. And I learned from them, people who are much wiser than me, that everyone has some sort of trauma in their life. No matter who you are, everyone's been through something. Just the degree of trauma might be different. And um, it might be the worst times in our lives, but it's also the things that shape us and make us who we are. Mm. Um, so I think utilizing you know, therapy and, help, <clears throat> and helping um, and getting help from people who are much more ahead of me in life really helped me you know, utilize that to a positive advantage instead of making me, you know, clammed up in a shell. So I think you can use trauma in a negative way or a positive way. You know, I, I could not agree with you more. When I learned um, that the trauma that I went through in life, when I learned that it built me into something that was really dysfunctional, 
but that if I took these traits I had and I focused them in the right direction, they could be really, really beneficial for me in business. And that's what I learned to do. Um, how, what year did you first get your, your outreach? And guys, he said, everybody, nobody comes out unscathed. And you know, my kids are pretty spoiled. We're at a five-star resort right now and they're, mm-hmm. they're complaining in the room. I mean, you know, their, their, their life sucks. They didn't like the food that we had this morning. Um, and um, I, I said, man, when you guys get older, what are you guys going to say was bad about your life? And my son said, dad, remember that one trip we went on to Yellowstone? We didn't even have no Wi-Fi. And I was like, oh, God, man. So di- it's different <laughs> levels. It's always different levels. And I wonder what my kids are going to have to say. I'm sure they'll have something to say. But um, at what age did you meet that mentor? Was it a paid mentor or was it, a, a you know, like, you know, explain that to us a little bit. Yeah, it's actually how I, it's how I got into real estate. Um, so basically, I was a junior in college. I was 21 years old, and um, I was in the real estate society on campus. And I met him at a speed networking event, and he was the owner of a multifamily brokerage here in San Diego. And me and him kind of hit it off, and he kind of became my real estate mentor and, like, my life mentor and really, you know, kind of catap- catapulted my career after going with him full time. So. Well, man, I tell everybody this too, guys. We all have opportunity in our life. Some of us capture it and some of us don't. And some of us don't. He definitely met the right person and took advantage. Um, But I know that that mentor wouldn't have kept investing in you if you didn't um, work hard yourself. So where did your work ethic come from? Because people think that being a realtor is just easy. All you're going to do is find a buyer and a seller. And they don't know. It's like, dude, I'm juggling. There's midnight. These people are ready to the deals falling out because it is. I'm calling a contractor. I'm getting them over here. I'm getting this stuff done. I'm paying for it. They don't see all that. All they see is it's not fair. They make all this money and they don't do anything. Right. So tell us a little bit about what he saw in you that made him want to invest more time in you. And actually, he brought you on his team, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Started as an intern, brought me on onto his team. But I think. My work ethic, to answer your question, I really think it comes from, um, you know, playing sports growing up. I think, um, you know, I wasn't the fastest kid on the team. I was never the biggest kid on the team, but I kind of outworked everyone on my team. And that's kind of how I got like a starting spot on my football team. So I think going going to the weight room every day, always, you know, putting in the time after school, even in the off season, uh, kind of, you know, catapults me forward. I kind of saw for the first time, like how hard work pays off. So I kind of just translated my athletic career into, you know, my business career and it's been working out very well. Man, that's amazing, brother. And for everybody watching that may have went to school with you, man, I don't know if they remember you. What position did you play in what high school? Or do you, you mind sharing that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to Clayton Valley High School and um, I was a free safety. Wow, bro, a free safety? And you weren't the tallest or the fastest? No, I mean, I, I got a lot faster through a lot of speed training and weightlifting, but no, in, in the beginning, I was definitely not one of the fastest, no. No, nah, man, that's, that's, but you, you learn to read the plays, read the quarterback, read the runners. Exactly. There you go. You could do the same thing in real estate. Tell us about um, one of the hardest transactions that you've ever had, because uh, I want to share this with people. I don't want people to think that you're going to go be a realtor go be a commercial broker, especially those are even harder than being a regular realtor in a lot of ways. Um, 
you know, what's some of the hardest, um, what, one of the hardest deals that, that sticks out to you on what you had to do, something crazy you had to do to get the deal done? Yeah, I, I think the craziest story has got to be my first deal because it had the most, uh, the most stake in it because, you know, as you probably know uh, better than me, you know, when you first get into real estate, there's no starting salary, there's no hourly wage, you know, you're eating what you kill, right? So either you make yep. sales or you don't make any money. Um, so the first six months of my career, um, I was dead broke. I hadn't closed a deal yet in commercial real estate. It takes about six, 12 months to close your first deal. But basically long story short, after six months, I have finally gotten my first listing and I was on top of the world, super excited, thought I could finally make it because month five, I almost quit cause I was so miserable. But mm. then the day after I get that listing, um, the owner unexpectedly passes away and the oh, owner man. didn't and the owner didn't have a will or a trust for his family. So the property went to probate, which basically means, you know, the state or the government owns the property now and you need to figure it out to get it out of probate. And um, <laughs> when I heard those news, I man, I, I just went into my car, drove home, started crying, told myself I was going to go the next day and quit. Um, but luckily, you know, we had great attorneys and two, three months later, the deal ended up closing. But when I first heard those news, that was probably like the lowest low of my life. Cause like I sacrificed everything for this. My parents were telling me to, you know, quit, get a real job. I had so much pressure in my oh, face. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, the worst, man. That's the worst, man. Yeah. And then when coming from your family guys, if your family's not hyper successful, you gotta, you gotta know that that's love. But it's it's called a scarcity mindset. Um, that the only thing they don't realize that there's it's an abundant world, and you know. So you guys got to be careful who you're listening to, man. They have good intentions, but if Jason would have listened to them, he would be somewhere probably working, making what twenty twenty five dollars an hour right now. Probably. And um, what he says is not. It resonates with me because. You know, I went bankrupt, came out of bankruptcy. You got all these hurdles. And then I finally, we got our first hotel. Now, Marriott was like, hey, you can't really do this hotel. The bank was like, you can't really do this hotel. You've got to have a sponsor, like like being a, a realtor, right? You got to have somebody that's done this before, man. You can't just, look, I don't care how many apartment deals you've done, Nate and Mike. So we got this guy named Dr. Sapp, man. He's he been doing hotels since 1990. He owned like 14 Hiltons. And he was like, man. Y'all some good old boys. He was up down south. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to come in with y'all. Y'all going to give me a little bit of equity. He wanted 10% equity and 1500 a month on the hotel. Um, and he said, and I'll sign for debt with you guys. And I'll go on the franchise agreement. So we get this thing locked down under contract. Guess what happens to old Dr. South? Passes away. we like, oh, my God. You know, we got a quarter million hard on this hotel. So oh. that resonates with me, brother. Guess what? We got it done. So when you are at that point where you want to give up, just know, guys, that there are a lot of people that are giving up right there. But not too much farther ahead is the finish line, or at least the finish line for that first goal. So congratulations on, on getting to that first goal, brother. Um, and then after you did that closing, like, what was your first commission? You worked for eight months, nine months for free, maybe longer, because you said you got it out of probate. How long was it till you got it closed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from like when I first started to like, you know, the first closing total was like 
eight or nine months. And the commission was small actually, because uh, the, the deal wasn't big and the seller screwed us on commission. So like my, my split, like I only got like three or $4,000. But after that, like I got like three or four, you know, more deals closed very quickly and it kind of catapulted from there. My career just has an upswing like crazy. But uh, yeah, the first commission was very, um, <laughs> very small. And I was like, wow, like I worked eight months for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that that's that whole thing when then you're you're and I ain't saying your parents did, but that's that whole thing when all your friends say, I told you, man, I told you just need to give up. Um, but glad you didn't give up, right? Because today, tell us about the volume, what you're closing on yearly, man. You're crushing it, bro. You've closed uh, over a hundred million dollars in deals. Yeah, so in 2022, I closed uh like a hundred something million 101 million dollars and then in 2021 we closed like 75 million and then my career i've closed like 250 million total as a broker man that is amazing brother that and 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 how long have you been doing this uh, a little over four years wow man so when was it that you realized was it that second year because my partner mike you know he started off as a realtor i don't know if you follow mike or not his first year, he mm -hmm. made $13,000, and his broker pulled him aside and said, uh, hey, Mike, uh, I just want to talk to you, man. I think this might not be for you, <laughs> you know? And it was like your broker comes and tells you that. And says, But look, if you really want to do it, I got a class that I can give you. Um, and, and, and again, it comes down to that training. But, um, you know, when was it that you knew that this was the thing that you wanted to do the rest of your life? Or not rest of your life, but for some, some time at least. Yeah. Um... I think I knew, like, as you know, real estate really snowballs quickly if you really put in the time and the effort. And um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it, like the tough negotiations. I enjoy, you know, um, dealing with clients. And the fact that I loved it so much and I knew that I could be good at it was kind of like the perfect mix. Like, I had passion for the business. I love real estate. I love learning. So, like, I just dove head in, you know, worked a lot more than most. And, you know, once the hard work finally paid off, that's when I was like, wow, like, you know, this is, this is real. Like this can actually happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't have that belief before my first couple of deals, but once I had that belief, like it just kept going and going. What is that levering up your life in real estate? What has that allowed you to do for your, you know, family, friends, parents, you know, um, that you probably wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Oh man, um, you know, during the holidays, the last few years, I've written my mom, you know, over six figures worth of checks. Um, you know, I've been that able to donate. Amazing, brother. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's been one of my most proud accomplishments, and that I've I've loved uh, being able to, you know, take that money and buy property and create cash flow for myself. I mean, uh, my partner and I have bought about you know fourteen, fifteen properties in our portfolio, and um, you know, utilizing. The commission I made investing it uh, has been, you know, truly an amazing experience uh, trying to set myself up, my family up for the future so that if I don't want to work, I don't have to work. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. just wasting my mm -hmm. commission on on nice cars or nice things. Um, just save, just save as much as I can and just buy properties. Oh, man, I didn't know you were into cars, brother. What, what kind of cars you like? <laughs> um, no, no, I. I, I said that uh, instead of buying nice cars, but I mean, oh, I, I, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Instead of buying nice cars, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I like you know, Mercedes is great. Um, 
Yeah, not really a car guy. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, instead of. Okay, I thought you meant instead of, like, I would like to. Um, but, yeah, Mercedes are great cars, man. And, and so what do you think your parents would say now if you came back and said, you know, I just don't know if this broker, if, if, if selling real estate's for me, I think I'm going to get a job. What do you think they would say? Oh, man, that's a funny question. That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> they'd think I'm crazy. They'd say, what are you doing? You got to stay in the business. You're doing so well. Um, it'd be the complete opposite of what they told me, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah, but they'd say, nah, but mom and dad, I remember five years ago, you told me that this was crazy. I shouldn't be chasing this. I shouldn't be doing this, man. I just need to work. And so I'm going to go, maybe you agree, maybe you don't. But the way that I see America is being built from an entrepreneur perspective and also seeing a, a father who, you know, we grew up, we grew up poor. My father was an alcoholic. He worked hard, but he was, you know, the money didn't make it home. Um, the guy, mm-hmm. at the, the guy at the bar probably did pretty well, but we didn't. And so 43 years, I've seen him work for corporate America and then retire broke, broke down, body broke down, no vacations ever as a kid, which is why we travel so much. I want my kids to see the world. Um, and then, you know, he wasn't responsible with his money. But it's almost like the 99% are working for the 1%, right? It's hard to see until you become the 1%. When you become the 1%, I kind of, I don't want to say I feel guilty, but I feel compelled to share back with people. Like, look, dude, like even people that work for me, I'm like, dude, you need to quit. I thought you said I was doing a great job. You are, but dude, I want more for you than this in life, man. And, um, you know, so I have had quite a few people that have went out on their own and I feel good about that now. It sucks because you got to retrain. But, um, you know, I think that how do you view that? Because you went, you had a different experience than me. You went to college, right? You met some people through college. If you had it all over to do again, would you change anything or do you feel like that's the right path for most people? Man, that's a... Um, great insight. Great question, Nate. I think the most important thing that I would change is honestly, I feel like college was a big waste of money. Um, sure. I, I met some, you know, great people, had some great experiences, but, um, if I were to do it all over again, I would just get my license at 18 and just start in real estate and just start calling and start going out there and trying to meet people work under someone. Well, I mean, I had like 60, $70,000 worth of student debt coming out of college. So like, you know, that holds you back for a very long time. I think, uh, for most people who don't have, you know, high paying careers, that takes a lifetime to pay off. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, well, it keeps them trapped. What I see is it keeps them trapped. And so you, you, you got kids yet? Not yet, but in the future. Okay. And so here's what I want you guys that are listening. Now, for those of you that went to college and you know, your career couldn't have been without that. I'm not talking to you. My daughter wants to be a marine biologist. She's probably going to have to go to college. I can't teach her that. But a lot of you guys are saying, man, that's crazy, man. He worked for eight or nine months with no check. Imagine working for four years. And then when you get done working for four years, you come out and you owe the person that you were working for $100,000, right? That's college, man. But see, a lot of you guys aren't willing to sacrifice the six or eight or nine months to be a realtor. And when he says realtor, he's talking commercial realtor. Those deals are hard as your mind has to be built different. I got buddies of mine that are crushing it. You know, they're doing, they're not doing a hundred million a year. Now I got a couple buddies, commercial guys that are doing a half a billion a year, but 
I'm talking, you know, that's as a group of three. So you're crushing it, man. You're right there with them. And that's that's a top group there, man. Um, but I'm talking residential realtors, a buddy of mine, and he won't quit because he's in his comfort zone. And I'm like, dude, you need to go over here. You'll make so much more money because it's hard to sell a hundred or two hundred million dollars worth of real estate a year unless it's commercial, you know, residential. That's hard. Um, and so, man, kudos to you for taking a chance on yourself, brother. And I want I want this to inspire a lot of you guys to know that if you follow his path or you follow my path and you do the real estate path, that it's likely in four to five years, if you focus your time and energy and effort on it, that you will be a millionaire. Um, and I know that's hard for a lot of people to believe. But do you... After going through what you went through, brother, do you believe if you would have started being a realtor at 18 with the hunger and desire you had, that by the time you would have got out of college in four years, you could have been a millionaire? 100%. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, I, I truly think that real estate's one of those businesses where the wheel's already been invented for you, right? So if you're under a good mentor and you do the things that a top producer tells you to do, then you're going to make it. I mean, unless... The only person you're battling against is yourself. You may think that there's a lot of competition out there with other realtors, but in reality, the biggest battle is with you when you look at yourself in the mirror every single day because you're either going to perform that day or you're not. And which one of you is going to show up? And you have to yeah. perform it every single day in order to make it. No, nah, man. Look, guys, when, I, when, when he says you got to perform, he's saying that lightly. What I'm telling you is this, that probably if we looked, and, and you may know the data, 10% of the realtors probably account for 70 or 80% of the transactions. Mm -hmm. um, so who are you going to be? Yeah, there's a lot of people that are realtors, but there's not a lot of people that are committed to being realtors. When I say committed, it's crazy because you probably, you know, you're getting calls 11, 12 o'clock at night sometimes, right? Yep. And you're getting them at five, six in the morning. You're putting out fires that you didn't necessarily know about in the morning. But your goal has to be, what is your goal? To get the deal closed, right? To look out for your client. To make sure your client's getting taken care of in this deal. And, and, and it's like juggling with six hands, right? But you only got two. And so, man, kudos to you for making it, brother. Now you jumped in and you said you got 13 or 14 multifamily properties yourself. Yep. That's where the real wealth is made, right? I mean, being a realtor is great, but owning real estate, man, your tenants are paying it down. You got some cash flow, maybe. The appreciation is where the real wealth is made at. If you and you've only been investing for a few years, but have you seen some amazing appreciation so far? I have, yeah. Uh, we've got some really good buys the last few years. Um, we try to buy, you know, below market value and add a lot of value to the property. So. Yeah, we've seen some great force appreciation. And um, yeah, 100% agree. That's where the wealth is built. I mean, you know, unfortunately, when you make a lot of money, you got to pay a lot in taxes. And um, real estate is an amazing tax shelter. It's an amazing, you know, hedge against inflation. So um, yeah, I think it's the best yeah, way to, yeah. to build and preserve your wealth. No, nah, man. So if somebody's looking for something, um, what, kind of, what kind of stuff? So Every realtor doesn't know how to find stuff like an investor realtor. So I love uh, commercial brokers that also invest because when you call them and say, hey, here's what I'm looking for. A lot of times commercial brokers will say that. Ah, yeah, everybody's looking for that. But if they call you 
what can you do different to help them out? Because it seems like to me, you know exactly what investors are looking for. Yeah, I mean, it really helps that I, a lot of brokers in the industry that are in commercial, you know, they haven't bought their first property yet. So they don't understand how it works as a principal or an investor. So I, I can give, you know, a point of view from, you know, as a broker and also as an investor, um, you know, I can offer great resources like, you know, my best contractors, you know, my, my best managers. I can offer them a lot of vendors too. Um, but also, I mean, you know, our, our brokerage, we sell a lot of deals off market and um, we usually try to just, you know, we usually just go for the escrow first before the listing because it's a much faster process. We have a big pool of buyers and, and sellers. So, um, yeah, I mean, the way we add the most value at our brokerage is we, you know, we find deals before they hit the MLS. There you go. Um, and then the way he continues to get listings is he looks out after his sellers and he gets some top dollar, but he still has to balance that with what's realistic in the market, right? Yep. And so we're going to put your info, anybody that's looking in what area, I know you're in uh, Southern California. Do you cover kind of that whole area? Yeah, I mean, we, we've done deals, um, you know, in Arizona, East Coast, New Jersey. But uh, yeah, we do 90% of our deals in Southern California. Yeah, well, we got to hook up, brother. And, you know, I'm selling some stuff right now. But I had a property that I bought uh, two years ago. The bank actually gave it to me. Uh, it was a 200 and I want to say 80 something unit portfolio that we had actually sold half of it to these uh, out of state buyers. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. They ended up losing it. Uh, they went in and, and the bank called and said, hey, would you be a receiver? We said, hell no, we ain't going to be no receiver, man. We own property. We don't, we don't do receivership. <laughs> and um, they said, uh, well, what if we gave you the property back? The guy still has a million two left. The reason why it was December the 5th and the, the gas was, uh, the, the boiler wasn't working on two of the buildings and hot water wasn't working on two or three. So within 24 mm -hmm. hours, we had all that stuff restored. And the bank worked it out with us, ended up giving us the property for what was owed on it. Um, we sold off, I want to say, all of them except 133 units. And those 133 units we put under contract for, what was it, $8.8 million about three wow. months ago. Yeah, the deal fell apart because of the interest rate hike. So we got another offer at $8 million. We accepted that, another interest rate hike. We just accepted yesterday seven point three million, so a million and a half dollar. Now we're still making money on it because we didn't, you know, we 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 did it right. But you know, I think we were getting sixty five thousand a unit, and we're all the way down to fifty four, fifty five thousand a unit. So we are seeing some price pullback. Are you seeing that at all in California yet? You know, um, it, Southern California is a very resilient market. Um, we're seeing it in residential for sure because it's a much more consumer-driven market, and many people are getting mm -hmm. taken out by the you know hike in interest rates. But uh, on the investor side of things, where it's mostly commercial, multifamily, um, we've seen a slight pullback, but nothing crazy. Um, you know, we might see more you know reductions coming in 2023, but as of right now, but it hasn't been much of a pullback at all, actually. Well, man, that's awesome, brother. Um, well, you know, I want, do you have any social media people can follow you at? Yeah, yeah. Um, best place, I mean, my uh, my handle is my full name, Jason Joseph Lee on all platforms. Uh, you can find me on YouTube and then um, 
have my own podcast. I think you're coming on, Nate. Uh, it's the Multifamily Millionaire Podcast. And uh, yeah, that's really it. Hey, well, can you do me a favor, man? If you get a deal, and it's a huge deal, um, you know, we could take down anything, 100 million, 200 million. Um, and you're like, dude, this is, a, this is a huge deal. I don't know if I have somebody. You probably already got people for that. But what I'll do for you, brother, anybody listening, now don't bring me no, you know, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying people don't bring me no junk, man. You know, have the stuff already <laughs> together. Don't bring me something that I got to underwrite. You know, I will give you yep. equity in the deal because that's how we work, man. We'll give out equity. We'll put the stuff together. There's all kinds of different things you can do from pays to, you know, seller carrybacks, all type of strategic stuff to keep um, or rezoning land. You know, we're doing 133 acres right now. And, um, you know, we're, and so there's all kinds of stuff that we can do. But I would love to work with you, brother. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've overcome. And um, I would like for you just to share, man, if you could, one thing with our viewers, because a lot of them struggle like me and you did growing up, like coming from a family of and, and, and look, just not, you know, being poor, but then passing on the mindset of staying poor to the kids. You overcame that, brother. I'm so proud of you, man. You had one thing that you could tell people that are struggling with that right now and they feel like i i can't be jason i can't be nate and them guys are just they're special man what could you tell them to help them lever up their life brother man let me tell you first uh first of all i'm i'm nothing special for someone listening to this um i'm average as you can get i just listen to the right people i met the right people so i think if you feel like you're stuck the easiest way to shatter the boundary that you feel yourself that you're in is to just meet the right people. And it's so much easier to meet people nowadays if you can add some sort of drive or value to someone's life. Uh, there's so many events. You know, you can talk to anyone on social media. I mean, it's it's never been easier. So reach out to someone who's on that path that you want to follow and, you know, execute. I mean, the, the easiest way to shatter and break a boundary and to get out of that track of being poor is just broaden your network and to meet someone that doesn't mm. think like that. Where do they go meet these people? Because you grew up in the Bay Area and, you know, with the jobs that your parents had, I can't imagine the type of neighborhood you had to live in because everything's so expensive over there. I can't imagine they were probably spending 50% of their income just on housing and it wasn't probably a great neighborhood, was it? Yeah, I mean, it was all right. I mean, it wasn't bad. Um, that's one thing I, I am blessed for. I mean, they, they did put us in a, in a decent neighborhood. So no, it, it wasn't bad, but definitely, you know, not, no one, you know, amazing to connect with in my neighborhood. You know what I mean? Uh, no one who like made it huge or anything, but uh, where you can really meet people that, you know, have done the things you want to do. Like, for example, in real estate, I mean, you can easily look up people who are doing the most business in your town. And if you want to work under them, I mean, it doesn't take much of an overhead for someone to take you on. So if someone thinks that you have what it takes and you have a drive and you want to be successful and you communicate that, um, you know, someone will take you on. And um, I think no matter what industry you're in, whether it's, you know, finance, real estate or whatever it is, um, there's someone you can find, you know, on LinkedIn at a local meetup. I mean, there's a real estate meetup every day here in San Diego. So, um, you know, networking events are great as well. Mm-hmm. Man, well, thank you so much for that, brother. I really appreciate um, all the enthusiasm. And like you said, guys, I'm just a normal, regular person, too. 
I just happened to to make it, you know, finance finance wise. And it was because I didn't really like him. I didn't see another option. Like, what's the other option? You watch your parents struggle. Like, nah, that's not. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna do something different. So, guys, it's time for you to level up your life, man. You know, get you a good mentor. Go learn from somebody else who's already uh, made the same mistakes. You know what I hear all the time, Jason? People say, uh, you don't need to get a mentor. You don't need uh, – you can learn everything on YouTube. And I ask people, like, well, okay, the people that say you can learn everything on YouTube, I say, well, you know, tell me about some of your failures. I say, well, why'd you do that? You could have learned it on YouTube, right? Because you don't know. You don't even know what to look for. So um, do you offer any type of mentorship? Um, not, not yet, but, um, I mean, I offer, like, a lot of free – you know, a lot of free mentorship. Um, the, the most mentorship I do is, you know, I, I have a, a brokerage now. We have about eight agents. So I think teaching them has been the uh, the most humbling thing for me and seeing them close their first deal. But uh, nothing. Wow, nothing man, you already got your, your, your you already got your own shop now, brother. Yeah, yeah. I started my own shop. That's amazing. That's that's amazing, brother. That's amazing growth, man. So anybody that is looking to lever up their life, man, make sure you follow Jason. Jason, I want to thank you again, man, for sharing your story on how you were able to lever lever up your life, man. And I can't wait to share my story with you, your guest on how I was able to lever up my life. I love it. Thanks so much for having me, Nate. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Lever Up Your Life. If you could do me a huge favor and go lever up my reviews, leave me a five-star review. I appreciate it. And if you guys want to keep the conversation going, reach out to me on nate.barger on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and get in our free Facebook group. We got over 200,000 members. B-R-R-R-R, invest. We'll see you in the next episode.